And to speak to the climate in our healthcare system when it comes to kids and those resources available and what we can do, our next guest is a medical microbiologist and pediatric infectious disease physician at BC Children's Hospital. Dr. David Goldfarb is joining us this evening. Dr. Goldfarb, thank you so much for making the time. Hi, good evening, Chelsea. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for being here to speak about something that is really important. And I'm sure uh, based in BC, uh, some of your colleagues were uh, were some of those voices that we just heard uh, from Global's Nitsu Garcha. They're uh, covering the situation that's not only happening in BC, but it's happening across the country. Let's start with what we just heard uh, from Dr. Gandhi at the end there. What do you think about the idea of masking and 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 should we be moving towards masking in order to protect ourselves? Are we being naive about the current situation? Well, I think we've been uh, recommending masking when, uh, especially when we're in uh, crowded locations for some time. Uh, moving to a mask mandate, you know, that's something, there's some complexities around that. And, um, you know, having to implement that, for instance, in a school setting can result in, in a lot of challenges in that setting. And kids have really been through a lot of challenges. Um and uh, and we haven't really seen that happen in any jurisdiction, whether it's in North America, uh, Europe or elsewhere. So it's, it's unlikely that we're going to see mass and mandates be implemented. And it's not uh, completely clear if that's going to really uh, move the needle. There are other things, though, that certainly we know can move the needle and would be much easier to implement, such as uh, vaccines against uh, some of these leading causes of illness like influenza. And our rates right now for influenza vaccination, particularly for kids, uh, have been quite low. Why do you think that is? Is there is there a simple answer? Well, I um, I don't think there is, you know, one answer. One of the things was that this year was quite a bit earlier. Um, and, and I think people in general had historically when they're getting their vaccines, uh, wouldn't be getting them necessarily in October or early November. And so that potentially may be part of it. Uh, I hope it's not. There is some data suggests there's some uh, spillover fatigue from the pandemic that may be influencing people's decisions around vaccination around COVID. I hope that's uh, around influenza. And I hope that's not, you know, as much at, at play. And then there is some difficulties in getting access to vaccines, especially uh, for kids, you know, they're at school, often parents are working, and it's it's difficult to, uh, in some jurisdictions, to get access to vaccines, at least up until now. You know, there's so many people that make the argument, well, kids were so sheltered during COVID, and activities were suspended, and life looked really different, and now our immune systems, their immune systems are much weaker. Is that is that simply what's happening? No, I wouldn't say their immune systems are are weaker right now. Uh, What we certainly know is that there was a lot less of literally the dozens of viruses that circulate um, for uh, a period of time. For some viruses like influenza, we uh, barely saw any circulation amongst kids um, since the uh, 2019-2020 season. So we're going almost on three years. And um, and so they hadn't been exposed. And what we're seeing now is a lot of those viruses, there's a whole slew of them that a lot of people don't know about, like human metanumovirus, adenovirus, uh, enteroviruses. Those are all kind of um, coming up uh, at a similar time. And so we're seeing a lot of those uh, viruses happening 
in confluence and um, uh, causing quite a, a big burden. This was actually seen in jurisdictions that had opened up earlier, like in New Zealand, um, where they had been able to lift measures. And in 2021, they had quite a severe season as well before they had had COVID circulating. Can you talk a little bit about what that what that burden then does to the healthcare system? Because we've seen here in Alberta, where I'm broadcasting from, uh, the Children's Hospital in Calgary had to open a heated trailer to accommodate overflow from their emergency department. We've seen uh, pausing of surgeries here for kids. What does that do overall to what kind of treatment is available? Well, I think it certainly has highlighted how uh, what we, we speak about in pediatrics is that, um, you know, children aren't just little adults. Caring for children, especially children who need um, acute care, like in a hospital, requires quite specialized nursing and physicians and other allied health professionals. And we don't have a lot of buffer room. You can't, you know, bring in somebody else that would be able to do that care. And so, and the facilities that we have to to care for them are also somewhat limited. And so I think it's really highlighted um, how, uh, you know, in some ways our our pediatric uh, healthcare system is somewhat tenuous. Um, We often do have waiting lists for surgical cases. And uh, when you suddenly have to shift and pivot, those get quite long and kids get left out. And unfortunately, this is just one other situation related to the pandemic where children are continue to be impacted. I'm curious then why there isn't a bigger call for change. I mean, there's some attention on this, but it, this doesn't feel like it's as big of a conversation as it was when it was, when, when it was COVID and it was affecting everyone across the board. What, what do you think will, it will take for the public to be galvanized by this? Well, you know, I, I don't want to be cynical. I do think people are recognizing that, you know, our kids are having a difficult time, especially in, in the healthcare system. And I hope there will be some change that will come from this. I think both, you know, we hear about the, the, the large children's hospitals, and that's where I work. But I actually think the, the area where we're seeing a, a lot of even the most severe outcomes is in smaller centers and community hospitals in uh, not having access to primary care for children. Those are also things that um, all of us experience. And, uh, and children right now, they're having a lot of difficulty having access to their family doctor, for example, uh, in a timely fashion if they have acute infection. So I think those, those things I'm hoping will, will be improved once we get through this. We'll need the help of, of government as well. Why don't you think that there's as big of a government mandate for, for change? Do you feel like the, the healthcare system is is ignored in that area? Well, I, I mean, I think um, I've been hearing, you know, I'm not a politician, but I've been hearing mm-hmm. a lot of discussion and, and, um, and promises being made about improving access to care for children and improving resources so that, uh, you know, when uh, we see these, and we do see surges on a regular basis, you know, the last time, in 2009, we had an influenza pandemic. Um, we also saw quite a surge in our children's hospital, for example, had to open up a surge clinic and, and wards were quite full. So we do see these not infrequently and we do need to have that additional capacity. And I hope there'll be some consideration and also 
measurement of, you know, what's needed in the system and adequate uh, data and monitoring over time to understand how to um, maintain those services. So, Dr. Goldfarb, we've got the holidays coming up. People are going to gather. They're going to get together. Do we anticipate a holiday surge of illnesses for kids? And how can we try to prevent it or at least mitigate it? Yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I recognize now the, the time that people are wanting to get together. I think one of the things, as I had mentioned earlier, was getting your flu vaccine. If you're able to get it now, you're going to have some protection um, for the holidays. Uh, we, it, fortunately, at least here in BC, we may have reached the peak of influenza A, but there's another form of influenza, influenza B, that might be coming up. Um, and, and the vaccine also contains protection against that influenza B. So we certainly would still recommend it's not too late to, to have some protection with the, the influenza um, vaccine. And there's both the uh, a form that you get through the needle. And then for children, most jurisdictions, you should be able to get access to a nasal spray if uh, younger kids um, are more worried about the needle. Um, the other thing is certainly... If you're feeling unwell in any way, it's best not to uh, attend that gathering. And, and I think people are very understanding now about backing out or potentially needing to cancel if you're feeling unwell um, and really considerate of others that might be coming. Um, and so, you know, those would be the other thing. We, like I said, if there's going to be indoor crowding, uh, masking and ventilation are always recommended. I know in Canada, it's not as easy um, to to make sure there's ventilation. That's one of the things we would encourage in any kind of gatherings that's possible to do outside um, would certainly be uh, preferred to inside. Um, so those would be the kinds of uh, things that would be, um, be able to help make this a safer holiday for everybody. You talk, you talk about influenza A uh, kind of reaching its peak, at least in BC. Uh, do you have optimism that things are going to get better and any kind of an idea of what that might look like in the in the near future, hopefully? Yeah, things will get better. We, we You know, like I was saying, every year, this time of year, we, we tend to have these viruses circulate. And a lot of that has to do, you know, with us being indoors a lot more and, and seeing those return. Um, and like I said, we're seeing some signs already in, in the U.S., for instance, the RSV is really, uh, which is the other big virus causing kids to get sick. It's, they've already passed their, their hump in terms of the amount of cases. We haven't yet um, reached that here, but it's certainly, we are expecting things um, uh, to get better. Um, but it, like I said, the, the system is very strained right now. And uh, we, we um, you know, the, the longer this goes on, the more strained it is. You know, being strained for a week or two weeks is one thing. Being strained for six weeks will cause a lot of challenges. So we certainly want to do whatever we can to try to minimize, you know, kids or adults or anybody getting sick. And, and, uh, and uh, you know, the healthcare system is not um, going to be able to maintain uh, um, illness for a long period of time at these levels, for sure. 
Well, we certainly appreciate uh, the incredible work that you do. Uh, I I can imagine that it's emotionally taxing as well as mentally. So uh, thank you for for being a frontline worker, for doing all the incredible work that you do and for making the time for us this evening. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me.